Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to answer some more questions? Yeah, bring it on. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. Hey, Phil, how's your arm? Yes, it's getting a lot better. Like, the last week or so has been, like, pretty okay. I, you know, obviously, no sling, no staples, um, no more dressing. I think we talked about that last week. There's no dressing Mm -hmm. on the on the incision anymore. It's just my angry red scar. I got a bunch of mobility back this week. Um, I, I am able to uh, get a, I'm able to eat with my left hand again. I'm really thankful. If you, if you've ever had to eat with your non-dominant hand, um, when you return to your dominant hand, it is just like the most wonderful feeling. Like, I feel like I can eat like a human again. Like, I did a really good job of eating with my right hand, but it was so like measured and careful and whatever. <laughs> and eating with my left is like, it's just like eating, like no worries. Um, <laughs> and I brushed my teeth with my left hand, which was like amazing because if you've ever had to brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand, it's like one, the first week, you, the first time, the first time you do it for the first couple of days, like you're basically just busting up the inside of your mouth because like your hand just doesn't like it doesn't even know what to do with the like with the brush and it's like bang 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 <laughs> then like you get ultra conservative because you're like you don't want to hurt yourself anymore so you're just like you're brushing but it's careful and then you start wondering like am i really getting everything i don't know i don't care i can't care so i finally like i had like the last couple of days I've been able to brush with my um with my left hand and it's like oh yay like this is what it feels like like i know you know because i don't know whether you know it or not until you switch hands but you have a pattern for how you brush your teeth and so like and and it's so ingrained and it's something you don't think about until you switch hands and then you're like what am i doing like so that actually was like a breath of fresh air and i started to notice other things like I can put a shirt on again um, without having to do the thing where I put it on like over my bad arm and slip my head in and then put my like I just put a shirt on all those things. So, hey, it's good. You're you're not mentioning hey. like a huge thing, though. Which part? The, like, where I reached today. Up? Today. Yeah, like I raised my hand. No, like today. What did you do today? I mean, oh, I went back to work. Yes. You yes. Did. My workers comp ended one month. <laughs> One month since my injury. I know. And then today, so today was my day to go back to work. And then it rained last night and froze over overnight. And so when I woke up, everything was icy. And I was like, oh, I can't go into work. Mm-hmm. Like I was panicked. And so I actually worked a few hours from home in the morning and let like the sun and the salt on the ground kind of work the ice away. And I showed up around. I went, I picked up lunch on my way in. And then I um, went to work and then I walked in and I was, um, I was a bit, I was a bit nervous, but it was clear and I like kind of made my way in and it was good. So I went to work and I did, I got settled in, like I had a meeting like an hour after I got into the office and I had to, um, you know, I had to tell the story. I had to show pictures of the x-ray, showed off the scar a few times. 
Everybody does the same thing when they see the scar. They're like, whoa. Because it's, you know, it's like from my elbow, like the inside of my elbow to my collarbone. Yep. So I show them like the bottom part where like I lift up the bottom of the shirt. I'm like, yeah, see? And then I like just hook my collar and I'm like, see? Mm -hmm. It's right. It's right there. It goes all the way up to there. Yep. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I did that. And, um. And so it's good because on Wednesday I'm uh, going on vacation. So I, I'm going in the office for two and a half days and then I'm going on vacation. <clears throat> yep. It's a good way to do it. Like it's it's after being off for a month, like I come back for like two and a half days. I kind of get the in. feel for what's going on yep. and I just leave. Yep. Do some gaming. I'll be back later. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Move on with life. What this means, what this means for us is that for another week or two, I think we'll keep this format. And then I think as we close in on episode 100, yeah, I think we will probably return to our normal format. I'm almost in the place where um, I can start writing uh, a full show again. Um, it's been super helpful having this short format and everybody's questions that people have been sending in has made it really easy um, to do this without... Um, having to do all the work of, of writing a whole show and, you know, color coding our parts and all that stuff. So Yeah, and you guys sent um, in some really fantastic questions, and we have answered so many fewer of them than we thought we were going to be able to because we keep talking. I know, that's why I'm kind of thinking I'm kind much. of thinking that maybe we stop asking for them and we just, like, do a couple more shows like this yeah. until we start running out of them. Yeah. Except for 100, because 100 will have to be a... Um, or we just keep saving them for whenever we have a weird episode yeah like i mean some of these honestly might be worthy of entire shows (laughs) okay so angela on twitter who is at pink coder 55 said uh what aspects of dming are you personally working to improve this year i think this is an awesome question and i think it's i think it's something that experienced gms sometimes uh start to forget which is that as gms we never reach a point where we're done yes like as a gm like we are always a work in progress of something that we can work on to improve and sometimes people don't focus on certain areas right like they just like i'm gonna run a bunch of games and improve my jamming skills and that's awesome right like there's nothing wrong with that like practice you does can totally, always like it always works right right it'll it'll basically it it'll will sharpen everything but it yeah. really won't hone anything right yes. like it's a it's like a general like i'm gonna run a bunch of games that's good because running a bunch of games is definitely a way to keep your jam skills up oh uh, but sometimes oh, we it's like yes, when you spread your skill points out over a bunch of different skills by one point each instead of putting them all when you level up into a single skill so that you get really good at that one skill <laughs> There, good. I don't have to say anymore. That's the, that is exactly, that sums up everything I was about to try to say. So excellent, good. Um, it is exactly that. So we can actually, we can actually as GMs, we can actually do some deliberate practice. Like we can actually focus on certain things and say, hey, when I run a game, I want to work on this. So, Senda, uh-huh. what do you want to work on this year? So as a relatively new game designer, the thing that I um, am kind of paying a lot more attention to right now is actually rules and mechanics and using them. And very specifically, I think, how you can build and create rules to foster certain types of play, right? And so 
as I'm running games, the thing that I'm really looking at is, you know, am I leaning on these rules to make the game run the way that it's supposed to, to, to create that style of play that these mechanics were built to create? And then there's the other part of my brain that's back there going, you know, is, is, is this working for me as a GM? Are these rules doing what they were supposed to do? So I guess... And we all know that Senda doesn't run super crunchy games and like rules aren't necessarily my thing and I won't let them really get in the way of a good story and like that kind of stuff. And, you know, mostly those things just remain true, but I'm paying a lot more attention and I think that it's something that I will continue to, you know, key in on a little bit more this year than I necessarily have. I mean... Having said that, it's not like I ever blatantly, like, I'm like, ah, screw the rules of this game. I don't even care. But, you know, I'll make rulings on the fly and stuff. I don't like looking things up. I don't, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Sure. So, yeah, I think. Be, be still my heart. <laughs> that's a great answer. Well, it's kind of true. Like, that's, that's a, so that's a, it's an area that I don't necessarily feel like I've spent a lot of time really thinking about i've been absorbing it for years right like i can do a lot of things with it instinctively and that's been serving me pretty well but there's only so much you can learn by osmosis before you have to really you know concentrate on it and be specific about it so Mm -hmm. i don't know what do you think what are you working on this year well first of all let me just say that i think i think that is an awesome thing to focus on because it's a thing that, as you know from my other show, is near and dear to my heart uh-huh. about what are rules, <laughs> what are rules doing, and why are they doing them in games, and are they doing what they're, you know, what the game set out to do. So yeah, I think I blame um, I love you. That. I blame you for the language that allows me to actually think about them and discuss them that way. So you're welcome. I'm actually <laughs> quite proud of that. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually happy that that's a thing that we do on Mister Director Mark is actually build a language around how we talk about those things. So. I um I love that, right? Because that's a thing that I got into a while ago, too, where I started really looking at, you know, what does this game say it's doing? And what are these mechanics doing? And are they in are they aligned? Are they fighting each other? Where is like where is one piece supporting another? That kind of thing. So awesome. I like that a lot. As for me, it, it took me a little while to think about this. And then I realized that it wasn't even anything I was doing intentionally. It just it just it has happened based on what I'm currently playing. And I don't know if it'll last the whole year, but it's certainly lasting right now, which is I am learning to run published material. Yeah, that's true. Now, I, I in the past, in fact, I, I in the past, not only have I like not only do I not normally run published material, I've actually written an article a long time ago on Gnome Stew about not liking published material at all. Like, just flat out, I don't like published material. I don't run it. And my, and so lately, I'm running two, I'm running two games, right? I'm, I'm running um, Tales from the Loop. Yep. And I decided, um, when I did the intro of the game, I was like, I'm just going to use the, they, they provide you four mysteries in the game. I was like, I'm just going to use the first mystery. And I read it and I was like, yeah, this mystery is really quirky and weird. And I, I like it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then I read the second one. I was like, oh, the second one's actually pretty good. And I read the third one in advance and I was like, oh, I actually like this. So I've been learning to 
uh, take other people's material and prep it. And the thing I've come to learn is like when I write my own stuff, it's organized and stored in my head. Mm-hmm. But when I am playing published material, I have to like figure out how to load it into my head. Yeah. So, so for Tales from the Loop, I actually do something that's good, that probably sounds ridiculous, but I actually in OneNote make notes about the adventure like in bullet point and sometimes i'm like literally like right rewriting parts of the adventure in bullet point yeah but that act of writing is what cements the game in my head and for a mystery i really feel like you have to get like you have to get the pieces right like the clues and stuff because if you don't hand out the clues correctly and the players can't fit them all together to get to the conclusion like you have a lot of problems yes so I, I've been doing that. And then the other game I'm running is I'm running Dungeon Crawl Classics. And I specifically, because I'm not, I don't have an abundance of time. I was like, I really want to run Dungeon Crawl Classics. I cannot be preparing dungeons. Like I want to, I love making dungeons, but I'm like, I cannot do this. And the nice thing about DCC is that there is a like metric ton of awesome adventures that that have been written for DCC. So um, I started buying them on PDF and I've been prepping those and those because they're not mysteries, I don't actually have to prep kind of as rigorously. So what I've been doing is I've um, I put them on my iPad and my PDF program has highlighters. So I highlight the relevant chunks of like I highlight the stat block and I, I highlight like if there's a like a skill check that has to be made or something in the room. Like I highlight that so that I remember to do it and those kinds of things. And I've had a lot of fun doing that. And I'm starting to get an appreciation for published material. Like I was really kind of, I was kind of down on published material and, and not for the fact that I didn't think people wrote good published material. I just, I didn't, I didn't have the skills to uh, take somebody else's stuff and like basically upload it. Right, and it's really you know, hard. Like I could, yeah, it's hard. It, it, right. it is harder for it's harder for me. I'm much better it, at synthesizing my own stuff than like loading in somebody else's stuff. Yeah, it's no, it's really hard because the, the funny thing is the last uh, the last pre written adventure that I ran was actually yours. It was the coming of the preacher, which is a part time Gods of Fate. Oh yeah, module, yeah. and I was like, a like. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, this well, isn't all in my funny. head, and like I want to just be able to wander off and improv this stuff, but it's sort of there, so I feel like I don't quite understand the constraints because I didn't quite upload enough of it into my brain. Well, and the crazy part to that is I didn't write the coming of the preacher. Chris and Sean wrote it, right? So in order for me to go run it at cons, I had to go learn that adventure, right? And I, and it took me a couple, you know, yeah. I ran it like four or five times that season, yeah. Um, by the time, but yeah, by the time you ran it for me, you were running it great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I ran a practice session here in Buffalo before I went on the con scene, and then like I took it to Gen Con. I took it to trying to remember the order of it. I think it was Gen Con, QCC, Tacticon. So by the time yeah. you got it, I had gone through it a few times. I was like, I was pretty sharp on it. Yeah. I basically hmm. more ended up running it based on my play experience with you. <laughs> so so I'm liking this because um, I don't always have a lot of time. And I do want to run games that have a certain amount of prep to them. Like, I can always run a game that has no prep, right? Yes. Like a Blades in the Dark, a Dungeon World. But I'm actually liking this. Like, I'm actually liking running DCC without having to do the work of preparing DCC. Other than, like, getting the adventure sorted out in my head. So... 
Yeah, that's an awesome question, Angela. Thank you very much. Yeah. And for people who are out there who are listening to the episode, please um, tell us on Twitter yeah. what you're what you're practicing this year as a as a GM. Yeah, drop us a note or on Facebook. Hey. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can do the other Wherever ones, you but want. you should do Twitter. You should do Twitter, because we'll definitely see it. <laughs> we'll definitely see it. Or come to the G Plus Misdirected Mark. Um, yeah, the G Plus Misdirected Mark great. room. Yep. Yeah, that, that would be another surefire way to get us. Yep. Hey, um, Blake yep. Ryan Batman, who's responsible for like 10% of all the shows on the uh, on, on Pandas. <laughs> all topics, um, yeah. Yeah, ten, this one could have been a whole topic, but it um, really could Blake be. asks... Blake asks, how do you encourage gamers who only care about their own story to interact with others at the table? So I I think this is kind of a loaded question, but I'm but you I, take a you take a stab yeah. at this and then I'll so, okay. share some um, ideas. I, I think it's a loaded question too. Because I think that there is um there's the kind of person who doesn't realize that they're stealing all the attention at the table. And then there's the kind of person who does and doesn't care, right? And the way that yeah. I deal with these those two humans is different. You got it. Um, that's the same thing. Yeah. I, that's the exact same thing I was going to say. All right, good. We're on the exact same page. Go. You want to do one? I'll do the other. Yeah. Cool. So why don't we? Why don't we just bounce around the uh, the person who doesn't know that they're doing it first? Because I feel like the other one mm-hmm. is a short and easy answer. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, so yeah, the person who is the person who just doesn't realize. That they're kind of spotlight hogging, right? Like that's that's kind of what they're doing, right? Like they're kind of spotlight hogging because they like their story, right? Like they like when the spotlight's on them. And then really what we're talking about is how do you teach that kind of person to be a support yeah. uh, character? Right. To be able to like play a, in other people's spotlights and enjoy it just as much. Because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's the first thing you have to tell people. Like it, it is fun. It's fun. Uh, you actually ultimately get more spotlight time. Yeah. If you can learn to share in yep. other people's spotlights, because you'll always get yours. Uh-huh. Plus, if you get to play like the backup person or the bit part in somebody else's spotlight, that's actually more time for you. Right. And that means that then is, they get more because you let them into your spotlight time in the same way and everybody's happier and the game is better. I think one of the ways you explain it, if you have to explain it by example... Uh, is watching improv comedy. Right. Like improv comedy is a great example of how to pull people in. Like if you watch like whose line is it anyway? Uh-huh. Like, you know, there are like some great moments of where they, you know, somebody pulls somebody into a scene and, you know, really makes everything better. So I, you know, I, I would encourage that. I, I would, you know, the first thing I do is just be really honest and be like, Hey, like, I know you like your scenes, but, you know, you should, you know, like, you should also be a fan, like, be a fan of the other players. And part of this to me is actually table control stuff, because running a lot of convention games and that sort of thing, I don't usually have time to have that conversation. I don't know that this person who just sat down at my table is going to be that player until they start being that player, right? Right. And and what I find is having one of those players at the table as a GM is exhausting at a convention game because you are constantly fighting them to spread the spotlight around. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how, you know, how, you know, I don't know, strongly they just keep deciding to interfere. But I think when when you have someone, you don't have time to have that conversation, like an actual conversation, like, hey, man, I know you're really enjoying this and everything's really great, but 
you have to make sure that you're including the other folks at the table, like that we're making time for everyone because, you know, otherwise, why are they showing up? Like this is a group social activity. When you don't have the opportunity to have that conversation, because say you're running a two hour game at Gen Con, my life. Um, uh-huh. Then the other thing that I've found that is pretty effective is you can create very clear expectations with that player in play via your reactions to their request for the spotlight. So basically what happens is you you say something, right? And they immediately, they're the first person every time who goes, oh, I'm going to do a thing, right? And as a GM, I get to say, cool, hold that thought. I want to come back to you after I hear from this person over here who hasn't been able to get a word in edgewise for a while. And I consider that to be part of my obligation as a GM to make sure that everyone at the table is getting the spotlight time and they get better at it. Like when you start laying clear boundaries and expectations that like, it doesn't matter how fast you jump in that you're going to say something, I am going to shine the spotlight around and it's going to come back to you. You're going to get it back, but you need to calm your tits. (laughs) Like we're going to share this. And if you're not going to share it happily, Like, if you're not going to share it easily, is what I should say. If you're not going to share it easily, because I don't think that those players necessarily, like, they never seemed unhappy in my games when I did this, and I've done it a lot. If they're not going to share it easily, then I'm going to take it and specifically shine it around. But with the acknowledgement that, like, I've heard you, I've seen you, you have an action, and I'm going to get back to you in just a second. Like, you know, I acknowledge that you're there and that you're excited and then I'm also going to share this around a little bit, right? So I think that there's um, there's definitely something to be said for table control, expectations, and boundaries, and just being really aware. And it's easier at, honestly, a live table, I think, than at an online table. Like, online, it can be really hard. I wrote an article about this on Gnome Stew. Yep. I am totally becoming just like Phil. I wrote an article yes, you are. on Gnome Stew. That's- that is exactly what happens. <laughs> that, um... It can be really difficult to pull that kind of thing off online in online play because like you can't you, you don't have the same level of being able to physically turn your attention to someone the same way to give them the floor. So um, a lot of the ways that I end up doing that is like person A is going Blah! and I go awesome. That sounds like a great idea. I will come right back to you and I literally turn myself away to the person that I need to hear from because they haven't said anything in a while, right? Like there, there's physical cues and stuff you don't get to use online. (sighs) I would say the other thing that you didn't mention is scene framing. So Mm -hmm. the other way that you can encourage gamers to uh, interact with other stories is to frame them into other people's stories. So avoid cases where you are doing like one story for this person and another story for that person and a third story for this person. Instead, you know, on the first story, pull someone else in, you know, pull that person who's reluctant to share or care, mm-hmm. pull them into that scene and make them part of it. Even though it's even though it's the first person's spotlight scene, pull them in as the support person. Yeah. And, and then use, you your know, let th- clear expectations and boundaries to make sure that the primary person in that scene still gets their primary time and it doesn't get taken over. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think those are great ways to um to encourage gamers to interact. Now, 
the other case was yeah. the person who actually can't stand anyone and doesn't want to interact with anyone at the table, yeah. and that person actually just has to go. Yep, that's a um, that is an outside of the table communication issue. You have a conversation with them; they can't get over themselves. They right? They won't get over if themselves. They won't get over themselves. Then adios. Yeah, um, you can't save you can't save people who don't want to be saved. Yep. Um, can lead a horse so, to water, but you can't force them to drink. Right. And the, so the, the real crux of this is that through some communication and through some table control, you can take a player who is kind of unaware that they're doing this, but is willing to change and kind of show them, teach them, you know, a way to interact and, and be part of everyone's story. And the ones that uh, refuse to do it um, are dead wood and you should just clear them off anyway. Yeah. They're, and they're probably a problem somewhere else in your game anyway, if you yeah. really look at yep, it. Yep, they probably are. It tends, awesome. it, it moves hand in hand with other issues, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So we're going to round this one out with a quick one. Sneezak. <laughs> Sneezak asks, go ahead. If you were going to design a game that had woodland creatures as mob bosses and the heads of crime families and conspiracies, what would it look like? So I, I think that I'm I, my first thought, because I love this, is that I'm going to have some stereotype species. Right. Right. Like, so I'm going to have like bears are going to be like muscle enforcers. Right. And like, what do you got? Ra- what do yeah, you got raccoons for like another one? are thieves. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because yep. they have the masks on. Yes. Right? They're like literal um, bandits. Yeah. I, I have think the, skunks the are fingers. A- I think skunks are anarchists, right? Like, <laughs> I think skunks, like, that spray is yeah. just, like, literally to disrupt anything. They're just, like, like whatever punks. they do, like, they're just, like, screw the man. Yeah. <laughs> right? Stink it out. Yeah. It's kind of like graffiti, um, so, except it's, o- it's odor graffiti instead of, like, visual graffiti. Yeah. So the question really becomes design-wise, and I'll ask you, I'll ask you for your opinion on this. If we do individual species as, like, stereotypes... Do you want to do, do you want to do homogeneous clans like the, like the Fox family or whatever? Or do you have different families made up of different animals? So like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you have a family that has like some bear enforcers, but it has a Fox hitman and like that kind of thing. So, and and I think that's a little bit more the direction that I'm kind of going in, but it's like, so it's like, yeah. You got, like, the Fox family. They're super cunning. They're kind of good at just sneaking around and being extra sly, right? But they're not super strong. So you got, like, a core of foxes who are just sly and cunning. And then you got a couple of bear enforcers and you got, like, a couple of raccoons or whatever. And and then... Because I think the owls are, like, your look... Like, they're, they're like, like, your the lookouts, lookouts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, well, first of all, their head turns in all directions. They're, they're they can see in the dark really well. <laughs> they're the information network. Yeah, like well, yeah. they're like you know they're out they're out there on the branches watching. They know what's going watching on. Watching everything. Big, yeah, I, big owl brother is watching you. <laughs> I'm with you. I I like the idea of the. Um, I mean, the '90s the '90s version of this game would act absolutely be species based, right? right? This would be like the White Wolf version, where you know. <laughs> Your clan bear, your you know f- your family bear, your family fox, but but I actually think you're right. I I think the heterogeneous ones actually more interesting. Yeah, I'm well. I mean, so here's the thing: like uh, all cards on the table, right? I'm currently reading my son Marl Fox because he's super into Redwall right now. So sure. in my head, 
We have marl foxes. They're served by a bunch of water rats. They have slaves that are like all sorts of woodland creature varieties. They have magpies who patrol the skies. They have pike who swim in the lake around their little island protecting it. Like, if that is not a woodland mob family, essentially, I don't know what is. Because they basically send out a bunch of foxes with an army, you know, to try and just steal pretty things. So here's the thing I'm going to put in the game. Uh-huh. I need so one of the things I need to have in this game, especially if we're going to do heterogeneous, if we're going to do heterogeneous crime families, yeah, is I I'm going to put a I'm going to put a ranking in there that's basically how edible you are, <laughs> and it's like based basically on like size and defenses, uh-huh. and, and 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 my combat rules for the game are basically this. There's some role to hit. Yes. If but you like hit, when you hit, you get to eat them. If you are, if your, if your number is bigger, like your predator number is bigger than somebody else's, like you eat them. Yeah. So like, like if you're the fox and you go toe to toe with the bear, yeah, you, if the bear lands a hit, it's going to eat you. The bear just eats you. Yeah. But if you're the fox and you go toe to toe with a squirrel, you just eat the you squirrel. Eat the squirrel. Yeah. Right. And so and so like way down on the bottom, like the chipmunk, <laughs> like the the chipmunk has a real problem because the chipmunk is like everyone can prey on this thing. Right. But it's tiny and it can sneak well, and it, all of those things. Well, and but, it gets a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yes. It gets, so it gets a bunch of stuff. But yeah, it it's like one one caught by anybody and. Right. Like the thing with the bear is like the bear can't really do very much. Right. It can't sneak around. It's not too smart. Yeah, it's a tank. Um, it's a tank, but basically if the bear puts its paws on you, it eats you. Yes. End of story. End of story. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so I think I like I think that's I think it's definitely like I want that kind of thing. And and that happens internally as well. Like when there's a disagreement in the family, <laughs> like I think well, so then I think there's another thing, right? Yeah. I think there's a stat for I think there's a stat for can you maintain your right. can you maintain, maintain culture? Yep. Or do you, or do you go animal? And so, like, I'm foreseeing like there's an argument in like the, like in the in the like mob family house, and like the like bear loses it and just like eats somebody, <laughs> right? Like, uh-huh. like, and there's nothing that can happen. Like everybody in the game's like, well, you know, <laughs> we got into an argument and the bear got caught in the argument. And somebody got eaten because the bear couldn't keep his culture yep. um, intact. I, it'd be fun because it would be very like in an instant your character's gone. Yeah, like, you, I mean, your raccoon gone. You have to you have to also take one other thing into account, which is when you have a hierarchy, how you maintain that hierarchy, even if you're like less predator score than the bear. So like that the fox can be the head of the family because they're the smart one, even though the bear could just eat them. I think that's, I think then, I think that the smaller the creature, yeah. the more culture it has, and it can basically, um, like Im- it can use its culture to impress it onto other creatures. Right, to force so, them to act like, with. Yeah. So ultimately, I think now that we're getting to this, the chipmunks are really like the godfathers. Yes, they are. <laughs> right? Because they're like tiny and weak, uh-huh. but they have like so much culture. Yep. That they like they can hold all the other animals in check. Yep. But if like something happens They're to your chipmunk, dead. Like Instant. maybe the squirrel can do it, but you know maybe not, and then like it just <laughs> devolves into chaos. 
<laughs> oh, this is like a really no, like this would be fun can't. to make. We can't. No, we can't. We can't. But I, <laughs> I um, we have other stuff to make. But I like the. Um, uh, to be honest, I could probably lift a bunch of those rules for housewives. There's <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So plan. I see where you're going. Yep. Go ahead. So, because I'm thinking, it feels like a hack of housewives then to me, right? <laughs> to just put the animals in. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I actually now feel like there's a culture. I feel like there's actually a culture stat in housewives. Like, there's times where they are like cultured and stuff like that. And then there's like times where they just are like so ridiculous and crude. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I. Well, that's oh, that's, that might... that's like the that's well okay, but anyway. <laughs> well, we now have to end the show. Yeah, we, now we have to end the when show. When we start designing actual games on the show, yep. it is time to end the show. <laughs> So, Zenda, before we hit the closing, tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yeah. On the Wednesday evening podcast, all stars Brett, Tom, Kevin, Chris, and Emily get together and play games that get edited down into an audio drama for your ears. Join this crew of all-star players as they create stories from the games that you love, and they release them every Friday. There's season breaks, but right now we're doing um, Avanti, Glitter and Blood, which Emily is running, and it's fantastic. I have played in Avanti a bunch before. I have written adventures and stuff in Avanti before, and it's a world that I like. So check it out. If you were listening to The Streets of Avalon and you lost track of things because they went dead for a while um, between games, check out Avanti. Awesome. And we've now reached the closing of the show. Yay. So, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or if you prefer, you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once you find us in one of those places or you remember our email address... Scratch it down on a piece of dragon scale with your handy-dandy crow's feather, whatever it happens to be. Uh, what can they do with that information? Please send us your topics. Currently, we're still taking some AMA-like questions um, as we fill out the next couple of episodes. Uh, but soon we'll be returning to our ever-loving uh, format of campaigns and one-shots. And uh, we always can use topics. We love talking about the things that you are interested in rather than just us rambling on. Although somehow you seem to guys like this, like that as well. But, <laughs> but here please, we are. By all, means, yep. <laughs> by all means, please send us topics. We love to get them. Um, and we will put them to good use and we'll make shows out of Yay. them. Say, Senda, what else can you do with our social media stuff? Well, the next time you are sitting down to play a game with those awesome peeps, take a selfie of you. I'm going to do thing. it this weekend. Yeah, me too. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and well, then- if, we, if you do it and I do it, it's really the same. Yeah, but I'll be the selfie person and you'll be the selfie person. It's different. No, nah, we'll, we'll sort We'll flip a coin. <laughs> we'll flip a coin. Anyway, 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 you can then take that table selfie and hashtag it table selfie and post it on the social media of your choice. Um, Twitter is the best place to catch us for that. But we will swing by and like them because we loved seeing what you guys are playing. And also, it's really cool to see other conventions and stuff. So totally do it. 
legit. If you like what we do here on Pandas Talking Games or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please support our Patreon campaign. It's patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get all sorts of things. Uh, you get our bonus outtakes, which are a little inappropriate this uh, <laughs> this episode, but sure, uh-huh. you want to listen to them. Uh-huh. Um, they're very informative about Phil's, chi- <laughs> Phil's teenage years. Anyway... Um, you get our bonus outtakes. You get the misdirected Mark after show, which is also somewhat inappropriate. I sense a theme. Uh huh. Um, I blame you. I blame me often <laughs> as well. Um, you get access to our production show notes, uh, bonus things that we uh, place out there on the internet, and you get access to the ever awesome Slack room for life, where our awesome patrons, as well as the hosts from our show, hang out on Slack and chat with each other all day long. It's so good. We also like to give shout outs to our patrons on every show. And we're going to start off with uh, one of our titled patrons, Jerry, the GM gerrymander, Lord of the after show. Speaking of the after show and how yeah, that's a good, that's a good title. <laughs> I can't do the next one. You have to do it. I'll do the last one. No, no, you should do it. You can totally no, do it. I, I, I have do faith it. in you. No, no. Can, you can do it. Do no, it. No. Do it like do an imitation of me doing no, it. But no, it will hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is Chris Steele. <laughs> Thank you. See you. Chris Steele. Ow. See, you totally nailed Ow. it. <laughs> and Jason Pitt, thank you so much for your support. Say, Senda, if you are already back in the Patreon campaign or unable to back the Patreon campaign, which is totally fine, what else can you do that's like a hug for a panda that will actually speed up the healing of my it's shoulder? It's true. There's healing magic. There's healing magic in it. We are always unbelievably happy to get your podcast rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. If you leave it somewhere else, let us know so we know to go look for it because we only check Apple. <laughs> yeah. It actually helps new people find the show. It makes us super happy. It pushes us up the ranks just a little bit. And it helps Phil's arm heal. Because Phil, what? so what did you, you did things today with your arm that you haven't done before, clearly because of reviews. I, I have my, um, the positive energies. <laughs> uh, we're going to do this like a televangelist <laughs> thing. Uh-huh. I feel your positive energies coming through to me, <laughs> going into my arm and shoulder. But I need more. I need more in order to heal fully. So please go to iTunes, put down your review, help my arm, show me the power of your healing love. I feel like I should now have a hymn, but I am unprepared. (laughs) Please open your books to Pandas chapter four, verse 11. So Phil, show me what new trick you can do with your arm. Yeah, I can lift it up in the uh, air and uh, actually reach it above my head, wow. but I can't do it right now because it's late. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. You've got waveforms. I got waveforms. I've got waveforms. You've got waveforms. We've, We've got, got waveforms. Who can Who ask, could ask for, for anything, anything more? more? <laughs> Look at that. A little duet.
can we address the um can we address the egregious um <laughs> pop culture problem that happened before the mics <laughs> that you've been saving for the mic I had to I mean it's it's it, it can't it can't go by unsaid I uh-huh I made a Ferris I made a Ferris Bueller reference and I caught you as yep. I do uh-huh that you um weren't aware of where the reference came from I've only seen it once that's the part we need to address. You've only seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off once. And in high school, no less. Like, uh-huh. you've never seen it again. I, I, nope. I'm telling you that, I'm telling you that is like, for me to hear that is like, literally like, I've seen Star Wars once. Was it good? Oh. <laughs> It'd be more like this. I've seen Return of the Jedi once. Is that the one with the teddy bears? Like... Mm. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I did see it in high school, and I wrote a paper about it. You wrote a paper about Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I actually remember it. Yes. When I say I saw it in high school, I uh-huh. mean, I actually watched it in class uh. as a cultural artifact <laughs> from a time before my own. <laughs> All right. Now, technically, it wasn't before your time. That movie came out after you were born. Thank you very much. I've seen it once. Uh, I don't really remember that part. Good Lord. I'm f- I, all right. Of the things, I got to make a list of things I need to fix. <laughs> I mean, from time to time, when you don't get one of these, I'm like, no, it's fine. You were young. You, there was no reason you should have seen, you shouldn't have seen this movie. But like, you were a teenager at mm. one point in your life. So every teenager should have to see Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, that's a. <laughs> I mean, I did while I was a teenager. Yeah, but I mean, that's like. You should see it like every year you're a teenager until you stop being a teenager. Like from 13 to 19, you should at least yeah, no. watch it once a year. That should be like I mandatory for all. Listen, and I'm just going to say it this. like 18 years ago. Like, I know. I I'm just going to say this, that if there, if we have other listeners who are like, oh, I've heard of that movie, but I've never seen it. I am already like, I am just beside myself. Like go and like go and watch this movie. It is like, it is a cultural touchstone. Do, do you have it? Do I own it? Yeah, I own it. Yeah. So bring it with you to Genghis Khan. I could do that. I, I Do you have a thing that plays a DVD? I, I... <laughs> yes. <laughs> do I have a thing that plays a DVD? I, I mean, I, I do, but it's an Xbox. <laughs> like, it's not an actual DVD player. Like, it's just an Xbox. <laughs> I mean, I have a... Both a Wii and a Blu-ray player, so take your pick. Bloop. Sometimes the update things are just like stressful. It's like my parents. Like, it's, it, they it, hound you. It's like they when I was a teenager you. alone in my room and my parents keep knocking on the door. Like I just, I, I, I'm fine. Just leave me alone, mom. Like, <laughs> don't come in. Don't come in. Bloop. Why are we having this? You just keep going. I don't know what happened. Some, I don't know something either. went. Something went wrong. <laughs> something went it started with the fact that you didn't see ferris bueller enough times and then from there it just devolved into some sort of no it was adobe's fault yeah go away adobe i'm busy like yeah not right now (laughs) not right now i'm watching (laughs) (laughs) oh snort laugh mission accomplished 
I'm going to just take a drink right now. Hmm. I have a song, sort of. Do you? <gasps> uh-huh. Do you? Do you want to sing of. it? Maybe. Are you going to sing it? <laughs> I mean, I will. Are you going to hiccup or are you going to sing it? I didn't hiccup, I giggled. Okay. Bloop. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right. Delete, delete, delete. Delete, delete, delete. Delete, 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 delete. Do you want to do the waveform thing? Yeah, but you have to say the words. I know. Well, I just wanted to know if you wanted me to say the words. Right. Is now the time that I tell you I had a fizzy drink like three hours ago with dinner so that there's like an inevitable burp in my future? I feel like three hours ago was like far enough away, but now you've been laughing pretty you, hard. You'd think you'd think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the thing. Okay. Okay. Let's do the thing. Mm-hmm. Bloop. Ladies and gentlemen. The 2018 Waveform Theater Series presents Miss Senda. I've been staring at the edge of the waveform long as I can remember, never really knowing why. I wish I could be the perfect panda. But I come back to the waveform, no matter how hard I try. I I didn't come up with the rest of the song. All right, so wait, I'm going to make a, I'm gonna, as my son would say, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. In the last 72 hours, you watched Moana. Yes. <laughs> Bloop. Do it. Uh-huh. What? I thought it was a... Do it. I'm, I'm sorry. What was the head? The head toss. There was like a. <laughs> like an Axel. I'll do the Axel Rose one. <laughs> you can't even see it, people. You can't even see I me. I just do. I do like the best Axel. I do like the best Axel Rose. Which Don't is actually do that. Not that. Your sound goes in and out. <laughs> which is actually not that far from Stevie Wonder. Which is a little more. Stevie Wonder goes up. Axel goes to the sides. Okay. You realize every time you do that and you're talking. I know. Well, that's you're... the only way people will know that I was doing it. <laughs> otherwise, they won't. Otherwise, they won't know I was doing the Axel Rose snake thing. I know, but like my level will fix most of it, except the parts that are just weird. Oh, that's too bad because that is just that's <laughs> genius audio. That's genius audio editing. If anyone knows how to move in and out of the range of a mic while oh. talking, it's totally me. <laughs> I'm like, I am like the, no matter where the mic is, I, I can get away from it. I have developed specific skills for dealing with yeah, this no mic, no mic can hold me down. <laughs> Bloop. Okay, seriously. Sneezak would have thrown something at me by now. That's the I advantage can't. of, it's the advantage of recording remotely and pulling this oh, shit. Oh yeah, but you're, you're going to be here for Genghis Khan, so don't even. <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> Do, boom, do, boom. I have to adjust my mic. I can't see. No, That was a thing that happened. I was like, I can't see the When the pop screen covers your notes. Did I say that backwards this time? I don't know. It was really weird. 
what is it about the ending of the show? <laughs> you know, I was concentrating on it We've way too hard. We've done 96 of them. Shh. Shh. <laughs> Maybe by 100 we'll get through <laughs> one of these without a nope. Hey, there a are retake. plenty that I have gotten through without a retake. Bloop. So, thanks. Show me what you got. Show me, show what, me you what, what you got. Show me what you show got. This is the panda what hymn. you got. <laughs> show me what you got. There you go. Yeah. Like that. We uh, we are at one. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's end time it, to leave. End it, end it, end it. Say goodbye. End the suffering. Bye. Bye. <laughs>